Hello and welcome to Weep Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Otherwise known as Don Machi. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so that title is a mouthful. Definitely going to be sticking to Don Machi for the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese version is even longer, and that's why oh my gosh, I, yeah. I forget how we got shortened to Don Machi, but that's just how was, I know it, and it's a lot easier to say. Yeah, I was looking it up, actually, from because I was reading the title in Japanese, and the beginning of it, how they say, I believe it's how they say dungeon is like Don like it starts with Don and then towards the end of the title Machi is in there somewhere. So I guess they just kind of took those two and created Don Machi with it. I can Something see along that. those lines. I don't know Japanese, so uh, I'm just going to take their word for it. I'm glad us Americans aren't <laughs> the only ones that like to shorten everything. Yeah, there's just so many syllables in there like it's a very long title. <laughs> but uh <laughs> anyway, all right. So, Don Machi the creator is Fu, uh, Fujino Omori, and he wrote the story under the title Familia Myth, and this was an entry for the fourth uh, GA Bunko Award, where he actually won the grand prize and received an offer for publication. The first light novel of the volume was published in January 15th of 2013 by SB Creative, under their GA Bunko imprint. As of June 14th of 2019, 15 volumes have been published. It has received two manga adaptations, as well as an anime television adaptation by JC Staff, which aired from April 4th to June 27th of 2015. An OVA was released on December 7th of 2016, and the second season aired from July 13th to September 28th, 2019, which is two days before my birthday. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> a third anime season and an OVA episode were both announced on September 27th of 2019. Three days so before day, your birthday. Yeah, three <laughs> days before my birthday. Uh, so the third th- season was supposed to air in July of 2020. But as most of us know covid 19 hit so that delayed a lot of stuff so the delayed date now is october 2020 we will see whether that stays that way but as of right now i believe that is the expected release hopefully it is because i'm really looking forward to it yeah you know for this anime i went into it taylor and i were sitting down going through a list and we saw this and we're just like this seems like it's going to be very satirical, and we don't know if we're actually going to like it, but let's just try this. And I was blown away with actually how good this anime was. Just based on the title, I almost didn't want to watch it because I'm like, what is, what is going to go on in this anime? But it exceeded my expectations, and I really enjoyed this, and I want a third season. This is definitely one of those don't judge a book by its cover because it is kind of a like misleading 
title. I don't want to say it's completely misleading, but if I just saw the title, I would think it's like your standard harem, etchy, like, shonen anime. Like, it was going to be just some... Raunchy, like... Yeah, like some... Yeah. Unfortunately, that's kind of how a lot of fantasies genre ends up being which is a shame but there are some good ones out there that are even harem but just looking at it i thought for sure it was going to be harem etchy all this and it was going to be more about those like fan service shots than anything i was i was really worried about that we were just going into it to probably turn it off after an episode but we actually got hooked to the story and the fight scenes are really great and it's just there's a lot to look forward to in this anime, and hopefully a lot to look forward to in Season 3. And just to clarify a few things, on this one, we are only going to be talking about Season 1. So we're going to yeah, try to yeah. leave out any information pertaining to Season 2, so we won't try to spoil that. But I did say spoilers ahead. That's we'll, I'm giving you a warning now for spoilers ahead for <laughs> Season 1 for sure. Possibly Season 2, if we accidentally say anything... We will try our best not to, but we both have seen season two, so we'll try not to say anything to that, and hopefully we'll make another episode for season two. So going into that, the story takes place in a fictional city of Aurario. Pardon me if I butcher that name. I have troubles pronouncing my R's. So we're just go- it's going to be Aurario. I'm sorry if it bugs you if you know the correct puns pronunciation i do apologize going on (laughs) fictional city where the gods all came down seeking excitement and limiting the divine powers to perceive and experience the hardships that thrive on the lower world they start offering mortals a chance to fight monsters in an underground labyrinth known as dungeons adventurers visit the dungeon to defeat monsters and take their crystal shards which are used to craft magical items among other things, and they can also be used to exchange for the world's currency. The people of Arario join groups called Familia. Familias are a group of people, kind of like a guild, who band together in the name of their god or goddess. It's very similar to RPG. It will have very RPG-like elements, and... The adventurers are grouped into levels, increasing their levels and abilities according to their achievements. And going off of that, the story will follow a young adventurer named Belle Cranell. I'm so bad at pronunciation of these names. 14-year-old solo adventurer under the goddess Hestia. As the only member of the Hestia family, he works hard every day in the dungeon to make ends meet while seeking to improve himself. He looks up to Ein Wallenstein, a famous and powerful swordswoman named the Sword Princess, who once saved his life and who he has fallen in love with. He is unaware that several other girls, deities, and mortals alike also develop affections towards them, most notably Hestia herself as he also gains allies and improves himself with each new challenge he faces. Side note, or whatever you want to say, I believe it does have the harem tag, but it is not overabundant as a lot of other things. It's more like, I 
don't want to say like a big brother feel because there there are a couple of them you can clearly see like Hestia for example she doesn't hide her affection towards Belle but it's not like your typical harem where all of a sudden you're introduced to eight girls and it's going to be just him and eight girls like no there's actually a mix of a lot of other genders in here it just happens to be like the, the two main people around Belle are females there's also a male lead and it's just don't get deceived by the whole harem thing (laughs) yeah i think they kind of do a good job at like using more of the affection that hestia has towards him as more comic relief rather than anything harem ish like obviously there is probably some fan service stuff there as with most anime but they do do a good job at not making it overly ridiculous. They we'll, like to focus on the story and everything. And we'll go more into it later, but the other people who kind of show affection towards him is Lily, and you can kind of say Eins as well, and we'll get more into their relationship a little bit later. Yeah. So, uh, before we get into the plot and everything, um, something that Omori has mentioned in an interview about his creative process is that he tends to write his stories backwards so he likes to create fight scenes and battles and then he figures out how to work up to them and make them exciting similar to what we'll talk about a little bit later with the minotaur fight that he started that first then he worked up to get it excited get you emotional like build up this battle basically and i think it really works for him because that minotaur scene is actually one of his most popular i would think just from looking online and stuff so it's really interesting how he goes about his creative process also he believes that his readers and viewers are reading and like going through his work looking for that typical shonen style battle so his goal is to make those battles as emotional and exhilarating and passionate as he can, but he's always attempting to one-up them in the future. And like I said, his Minotaur battle in the first arc, he even said that's the one battle he's trying to constantly outdo because it is so popular. So I think that's really cool just to kind of get a little insight into his storytelling. I thought that was a fun little thing to add. That's a neat process to take starting from the exciting bits and figuring out how to go from there. Yeah, I don't know if it would work for everybody because, I mean, you kind of... It's kind of interesting to start from something significant like a battle and then be like, how could I get here? Like, what's a good way to get there? I feel like sometimes you're supposed to just go through the story and lead up to big moments like that, but he really just takes a weird perspective on it. But it works for him. And I had to say, I am one of those fans that I absolutely <laughs> love the Minotaur scene. It has got to be my favorite scene in the whole series. It is a really good scene. It's just so satisfying, too. It really is. <laughs> and just one more thing to clear up before we start moving on into Don Machi. This anime is, and I repeat, it is not an isekai. It is a pure fantasy world genre anime nobody has been reincarnated nobody has transported from another world it is just a pure fantasy just how we mentioned that the gods descended because they want to live like mortals and see 
the get new excitement from it. And honestly, if you know anything about the Greeks, gods, and goddesses, this could honestly be so believable because they like to fuck around with mortals more times than any other god or goddess you will ever know. So that's one thing that would even make it more realistic. And what I also enjoy that makes this one of my most favorite anime and probably my number one fantasy anime is the RPG-like features that blend in so well. They don't just, like, add it or, like, it's not they got transported to a video game and so now you have, like, the menu screen and everything like that. No, there's no menu. There's no nothing. But it is the same level up system there are dungeons when you defeat them they become crystals loot drops there's other like equipment forging magics in here and but they make it so realistic so if something were to happen like if this would happen in real life this is a perfect example of how you integrate an rpg style into like the real world because how they level up it's not like, oh, you went from level 1 to level 10 or something after a fight. You have abilities, and they start out, I think, at F, just like most other things. And then you bring them up to S. And when you, all your abilities are S, this is, I don't know for sure, but this is what I'm assuming. Because when Bella got all abilities all S, he was able to level up from level 1 to level 2. So I'm assuming in order to level up... You have to have all abilities uh, rank S. So being level 2 is actually a major deal. And we find out there's only a handful of people who are like level 6. There's only quite a few that are level 5 and so on and so forth. Obviously there's a lot of level 1s and going up. So I just think they blended the fantasy-like and the realism so well in this that it makes it so believable and that's what makes it even more enjoyable to me. Yeah, I would like to say that, um, like you said, it's not an isekai, an isekai, however you pronounce it. Uh, it's not one of those, but they make it, they blend it so well with this fantasy into this level up system and these dungeons that it's very easy to mistake it for one. Like you said, with an isekai, it's you're transported to like another world. But this, you can forget that there was no transportation. It was purely they're in this world, they're from it. So, and it isn't like our world. It's old-timey, there's Greek gods and all that stuff. So it's very easy to mistake it as one. But they do blend their level-up systems really well due to, like, the god and goddesses' abilities and powers and how they have these familia and stuff that we'll get into a little bit later. But, yeah, I do like that blend that they have going on just makes like a a blurred line of isekai and fantasy and going off of that the show starts out when we see the main character bell at this point he's already being cornered by a minotaur something that shouldn't be in these lower levels it's a more the dungeons pretty much considered lower levels middle levels and I think, I don't know, bottom levels. Couldn't think of the name. And the Minotaurs are from the middle levels. So it's something you don't normally run into. So 
being a solo adventure and being in the lower levels when you see someone basically that's twice as strong as you, you would also be scared. He gets cornered and right when it looks like the Minotaur is about to kill him, the Minotaur dies and who do we see? Ein Wallenstein, aka the Sword Princess, has come and killed the Minotaur and the blood gushed all over Bell, so he's red as a tomato, and he sees this, and Ayn goes to ask him if, like, he's okay, and, of course, being the timid, shy main character he is, he just kind of runs without saying anything to Ayn, and then that's kind of how he fell in love in, I guess, first sight? He knows of her, like he's already, he's kind of looked up to her because she's very famous. She's one of those few level five people. So he's already looked up to her, but now this kind of like solidified his love at first sight. Mm -hmm. It was like he was like starstruck. The the whole, my life was saved, so I'm indebted to you type love. But then he's also like, oh my gosh, this is Ice Wallenstein. Like, holy shit in the flesh and that he was just starstruck from the moment from that specific moment and kind of like wants to work his way up to her that's the word i couldn't think of the word starstruck is a perfect word for what he so in this world of orario like we already said the adventures are basically people who go out into these dungeons and defeat monsters to gain crystals even after the incident with the Minotaur, it doesn't stop Bell from wanting to get stronger and tackle the dungeons. And I think it's kind of like you kind of need to go in these dungeons to get money, right? Or am I for of... this city? Definitely, because this city, there's other cities in this world. It's not just Orario, however it's mm-hmm. pronounced, but this city is perfectly built around the labyrinth because the labyrinth obviously has like one entrance so this it's like in the middle of the city so everything revolves around being an adventurer obviously you could still be like a blacksmith a merchant something like that but being an adventurer is basically another job and aurario is just the most popular place to go for it because it has the labyrinth already built in there's people that come from outside the cities to get blessings from these gods and goddesses. But there is more of the world. It's just it's just centered yeah. around this city because of the yeah, dungeon. Like you said, that that does make sense. You could be a blacksmith and earn money that way. Bell is kind of a hunter. I mean, he's not the strongest right now, but he wants to go back into the dungeon and get stronger. And that's kind of where guilds come in. Because the guilds oversee the dungeon and allow people to go to certain floors based on their stats. And Bell, even though he's solo, he starts to increase his stats rather quickly, and he wants to explore further. His guild advisor has no choice, kind of, but to let him in, as it dictates his status is high enough. However, she makes him go shopping just to get new equipment, because she doesn't really want him to really just... Because he got messed up the first time by the Minotaur, like, you kind of need to armor up, even though you're soloing like you you got to be prepared so he finds some light armor that was tucked away behind this shop it was hephaestus's shop which normally only high-end adventurers can buy from like it's one of the luxury shops for weapons and armor but he gets the equipment from them because it's kind of tucked away in 
I believe they sold it to him for really cheap because it was so no one would buy it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so Hephaestus is the goddess of, like, the forge. So her familia is mostly blacksmiths, and they obviously make grand armor and stuff like this that normally costs, like, millions of dollars. And so Bell never thought to go here, but then when the guild advisor kind of showed him that there was a spot where new blacksmiths come to sell their armor, because obviously you don't just start making great armor, you start somewhere. And this little shop that's kind of like tucked away, that's where he finds this like light armor tucked in a box to get it. Because the guild also is not like the insurance company, but they're advisors to the adventurers. So they tend to try to help them figure out like if they have problems or try to stop them from doing stuff that they aren't capable of. But as you mentioned before, in order to get down to lower levels, you need higher stats. And technically the guild can't stop you if you have the requirements to go down lower. But even though he was a solar adventurer, she was worried. And that's why she went to go get the equipment. And yeah, cause she'll be like, yo, you probably shouldn't go down there, but you're, you kind of are allowed. Like, I have to let you in. But she had his best interest in mind for this. And that's why she takes him shopping to get some new equipment. And that's not all. And while all this is happening, Hestia has noticed his growth and wants to surprise Belle because, as we kind of mentioned earlier, he's the only one in her familia. And she's friends with Hephaestus. Hephaestus. And... So she goes to Hephaestus. Unless we're both pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She goes to Hephaestus personally and is just begging her to make a weapon for Bell. She says that he's the only one in his, her familia and he's been doing all this work, putting in all this for, uh, putting in all this effort to help Hestia out and she doesn't have the power right now to help out her only familia member. So she begs and pleads like just let me do that help making a, a weapon for him and she will do anything she wants to do it and so she actually makes a new knife for bell because bell's weapon of choice is a knife kind of like basically like a dagger but not exactly more like a hunter's knife and the one th- cool thing about this was hephaestus made it herself personally and it grows with the wielder so this is something that won't break anytime soon. And as he gets stronger, so will the knife. And after she makes it, Hestia has to work for Hephaestus to help pay off the knife of what she made. And she goes to surprise Belle with it. And of course, everything's looking too upbeat for Belle. He's getting new armor, he's getting stronger, and he's about to get a new weapon. Something's got to go wrong. In comes the Monster Festival, where they, I forget what familia is in charge of it, but they go and they actually capture live monsters from the dungeon and bring them up, and it goes into, like, this gladiatorial arena where adventurers will fight these monsters. Something goes wrong, and these monsters break free, and there's this one gorilla-type monster that is keen on attacking Hestia for some reason. Bell, with his, even though he's not strong, he has a very high sense of justice, and he wants to be this hero, 
and wants to protect Hestia with all he can. And in order to do that, he tells Hestia to like run away and he goes to fight this gorilla. And as he's fighting, his weapon breaks. And when everything starts to go downhill, Hestia claims, hey, I got a gift for you and throws this knife to Belle. And she goes, you can win this fight. That knife you have right there is especially made just for you. It's going to grow with you. You can win this fight. And just like how we mentioned earlier, how he likes to make these shonen type battles very emotional, that this fight kind of solidifies that as well. It kind of gives Bell a new hope that he can become stronger and him protecting his goddess just... It's very emotional and thrilling at the same time. It... It's very shonen-like, but it's also like heartfelt, and it it's a good fight, even though it didn't last very long. It was definitely a, one of the good fights in this series. Agreed. And about this scene, it definitely gives you some insight of, or not not really insight, but it definitely makes you think about what's to come in the future, because we don't really get an answer of why this creature wanted to attack Hestia. Or really how they got out. Like, we know that someone let them out. But it definitely brings on more questions that just can't be answered yet. And it's definitely a very interesting thing that, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't really get answered in the first arc, at least. It's very hinted towards what's going on, but it doesn't outright say it. Because every time something yeah. goes wrong, I believe it's Freya. If I'm not mistaken, so. they always yes. bring up Freya, and then she's always like, when she sees Belle fighting and getting stronger, she. This is where the whole fantasy comes, I guess, harem comes in, because she goes, beautiful! And she, like, loses her mind. She's like, oh, he's beautiful, he's perfect. And it's like, I, you need to calm down. I don't know what <laughs> is going on with you, or, like, if this is, like, some kind of fetish you have. Or what, but you're getting aroused by a small child fighting. <laughs> you tone your horniness I mean, down, ma'am, please. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, you gotta, gotta. It, to be fair, most of the gods in Greek and I don't know for sure about Norse. I'm not very familiar with Norse mythology with Freya and everything. But most of the Greek gods are pretty gross people, like or pretty gross gods. They all they care about is getting laid. That is but, also true. <laughs> But yeah, like this, the scene definitely makes you think and makes a lot of theories thrown through your head. And I really like that about this, because this is still the beginning of the arc. And I was yeah, just this is so... only like episode three or something, and it's yeah. like holy crap! Like you think it's going at a, it feels like it's if you read like the titles of the stuff, it feels like it would go at a very fast pace. But honestly, I like the pace. It's not too fast, but it's not too slow either. Like it just kind of like gets to the point it kind of shows you what direction this is going and i feel it's a good pace yeah it definitely cuts out most of the bs in a lot of other animes have where they're always drawing stuff out this one gets right to the point and i really like that and it lets you think about things for a few episodes and then you'll start to get a little more answers and it's a really well balanced show going off of that i think one thing i do like about that is it kind of still centers around Belle. Like, the whole story is obviously about Belle. 
But when this happens, kind of like how most, I guess, shonen would go, they would cut to someone else, and it's like, oh, there's this huge conspiracy going on. And then, like, every now and then, you'd have a filler episode of, about these people and, like, what's going on behind the scenes. That doesn't really happen in this. Yes, we do get a few insights of what goes on, like, every now and then. You'll get, like, maybe a five-minute five ten minute insert or something of what's going on behind the scenes and like you said you can slowly piece it together with each episode and they kind of give you hints towards what's going on so it's more on you to figure out what's going on and i like that because it helps keep the pace going instead of slowing down getting cogged and going like oh great now this all this excitement going on now let's cut to this scene where it's behind the scenes where it's all political bullshit and stuff you don't really care about yeah, so the um the cut to cut to the chase point of this show was really appreciated, just because you don't have, you just don't have all that clutter. It's and I believe the first season is only like twelve episodes. Yeah, it it's one of the short ones. I think it might be like thirteen, but yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I don't think it's a twenty five episode one. I'm pretty sure it's a thirteen yeah. season. But yeah, but anyway, back to back to a little bit of the plot. So now armed with a weapon, he's ready to take on this dungeon. But before Hestia allows him to go into the dungeon, she says, you need a support. Because supports are typically people who are non-combatant, who will pick up your crap after you kill monsters, and they'll just carry all your loot for you. So you can stick to fighting monsters without worrying about gathering. So in comes Lily, who takes an interest in Belle, probably because she, she, not probably because, she sees his knife that he's carrying around with him, and she's able to tell, like, it's a valuable knife, and she'll be able to sell it for a high price. So she takes advantage of his kind, like, his kind heart and his niceness, and steals the knife from him. However, it doesn't really end well, because Ryu ends up finding her and takes back the knife. Luckily, there's no incident like she doesn't tell on lily she just gives the knife back to bell by saying like she found this later we find out that lily is part of the soma familium who has been who has and she has been running into trouble with money or the, i think the whole familia has been running in trouble with money so she's forced to steal to pay off a debt and of course uh, once bell learns this he decides to help her instead of tossing her aside because he is so kind so that's really it gives you an insight to what type of character he is he's not some main character who's just worrying about himself he cares about everybody and he wants to basically spread joy and kindness and help anybody he can he's not he's not an ass who's only worried about getting strong and meeting eyes wallenstein he wants to help everyone he comes across and I think that's one reason why Hestia likes him so much, too, is because of this. Yeah, and I'll, it actually gets explained just a little bit after this whole incident. And going back to Lily, there's also kind of another neat little fight scene that happens is we learn, once we learn about the debt, and this is where Bell kind of learns about it, too, he gets put into a trap with all these, like, I don't know, like, ants, I don't know what they're mm -hmm. exactly called, but they can call for reinforcements and like just as they're, Lily's they're about ants. to die. They're not. 
They're not just a bunch of ants. They're big ants. <laughs> yeah, they're very big, scary ants. You don't want to be on the road or by yourself. <laughs> and, like, Lily goes, oh, this, I deserve this after I tricked Belle for being so, like, kind. And then, obviously, in comes Belle, rescues him, and Lily's like, why would you save me? And that's kind of how she becomes, like, affectionate towards Belle because he saved her life, not only like literally with that but she also helps her like start a new life and not go into like crime whatever she was doing she kind of gives up and is like oh i'm going to start a straight new path and then now with their new kindled relationship i guess Belle's able to make a lot more money because he's just straight fighting monsters and lily can go pick up all the drops and stuff so he doesn't have to spend time doing that meaning he can hunt more monsters and he gets more money and one of the first things he does is we kind of didn't mention but being the only familia member hestia's familia is very poor and so even hestia is actually working part-time to help pay for essentials and stuff with bell so once he finally gets a lot of money he goes you know i'm gonna spend it and like kind of treat myself Kind of like what real life people do when you finally get a time off. You're like, all right, I'm going to gonna treat myself to a nice meal. So he goes to Mamma Mia's place. It's a famous inn tavern where like all the adventurers go. And this is kind of where we meet the Lokia family, who is one of the top familia. And it's also the familia Ayn is in. They're one of the top familias when it comes to dungeon diving. They have a lot of like level four, level five people. They're... Leader, I believe, is actually one of the few level sixes in this, Mm -hmm. like, world. And while he's eating, he sees Ayn's group talking, and one of them goes, Hey, Ayn, why don't you talk about that kid, the tomato kid? And that's because when she killed the Minotaur, all the blood splattered on him, and that's how he, like, is referenced as. Obviously, Belle wanting to get stronger and being laughed at in front of his crush, his admiration, run storms out of Mamma Mia's place, and Ayn's like, wait, didn't I see that? And it kind of gives you a hint of what their relationship's going to kind of be like, because Ayn is still kind of looking for him, and, like, these little instances where they kind of, like, the, the paths cross, but they don't really meet, and... Obviously, after running out, he's like, wait, I didn't pay my tab. So the next day, he goes back, he apologizes, and goes, here, here's all my money for the food. I I didn't mean to run out like that. His emotions got to him. And as he's going that, he he finds a book. And he goes and reads the book, and it ends up being a grimoire. And a grimoire basically gives you the ability to use magic, something Belle has been wanting to use, but has never had the aptitude for it. But this grimoire gave him the ability to do it, and he gets so excited. He's definitely like a kid. But while he took this grimoire, he has like this monologue inside his head, and it's asking, why do you want strength? And he's like, he wants to be this hero. He's been, his grandpa used to read stories of this hero who would save everyone, and this kind-hearted hero that would save the world. That's kind of why... He saved Lily, even though everything he's done, he wants to be this hero that he's always looked up by. And 
being excited for having magic for the first time, he goes, runs off in the dungeon, uses his fireball as much as he can, and ends up passing out due to low MP, which I believe they called, like, mind down. And then another crass pause where he wakes up to find Ayn is watching him, and, of course, he freaks out and runs away. Typical main character fashion. Timid, shy guy wakes up in the lap of his crush and just, without saying anything, just runs away. <laughs> and like you said with the... Um the whole grimoire and everything that leads to more questions because there's definitely hinted there's hints that this book was meant to be in the hands of bell so that leads to a little more depth into what's going on behind the scenes of this show but with that being said eventually eyes kind of takes a liking or a curiosity to bell because she's very interested in how he's leveling up so quickly because it's mentioned a few times like people ask him like how how did you go how did you jump levels so fast because it's taken people four times as long to get to where you need to be or where you are and basically because she wants to learn so much more about him and she saved him a few times and she's returned she returned an item to him to kind of get the chance to talk to him in person she ends up training bell and teaches him some sword techniques since up until this point he's only been self-taught and she kind of sees that he's an amateur using this little knife she teaches him much needed experience to help and yeah to help him with his dungeon journeys and he's able to get a little bit closer with his crush eyes so now that bell has been trained properly he's improved much more he's leveling up quicker and Lily's been reformed. She's no longer this person who's being bullied by the low, um, the so Soma family. She's now working with Bell. No longer wants to steal his stuff. They go back to the dungeon, only to get caught in another Minotaur incident. However, the Minotaur isn't the same this time. It's more like it's evolved since the last time. Is it? It learns how to fight with the sword, which is kind of different from most of the other Minotaur and this is my favorite scene but I know that this is also yours and I think you like this a lot more than I do so you can talk about it a little bit more in depth than I think I would be able to so if you want to take this one away I can't tell you how many times I've probably seen this fight I've rewatched this so many times just because even to this day it just gives me goosebumps so we found out a little before some guy gave this Minotaur a sword and was trying to train him for who knows what purpose. But going off of that, it's a much stronger version of the Minotaur than he fought. And you have to remember, like I said earlier, Minotaurs are middle level monsters. He's still in the lower level. So as you can already see the discrepancy there, even when he's leveled up, this Minotaur has leveled up considerably now because it's learned sword fighting techniques. And at first, he is getting clobbered. His knife is holding up, thankfully, because it was made by Hephaestus. If it was anyone, any other weapon, it would have broke. And in fact, his other knife he carried with him broke during this fight. But the thing is, he learned that sword techniques from Ayn. And luckily, the Lokia family was on an expedition, and... 
Lily ran off to try to get help, and Eins tried to step in and save Belle. But Belle was like, no, not this time. I can't keep being saved with you. It's time, and his famous words is like, it's time to go on in an adventure. And that just kind of gets you blood boiling because as soon as this happens, you see him, he's already injured from the initial fight. And you see him just kind of like slowly walk over to him. And the camera angles of him over the shoulder looking at the Minotaur, going back to the Minotaur, looking over the shoulder, seeing Belle. And his fight just erupts. And everyone of the Lokia family is like staring at him and is like, wait. What are you talking about? This kid should not have lasted this long. In only a few months, how did this guy level up so much? He's holding his own against a Minotaur. And then his attacks seem to be ineffective at first because it's a Minotaur. It has like thick skin. And luckily his knife is able to withstand the attacks. And he stabs the knife in the Minotaur's arm and breaks it and holds up and steals the sword he was using so in the final scene you see the minotaur charging up and then him running to towards the minotaur with the sword and everyone thinks he's going to die because this is like the minotaur standard attack that ends up killing a lot of adventures that don't know how to respond to that but of course ayn is like no just wait and he turns around turns his fight around and stabs the minotaur in the chest with his knife and just continuously uses fireball inside the Minotaur and you just see the flames burning out of his body until finally it just erupts and like explodes like a balloon in flames and then Bell just passes out standing up with like half his armor completely gone and they're like go go check his status go check his status like what is he and they check his status and he, you find out all abilities S, which means he's leveled up. And he's the quickest person in, I think it was like two or four months, he leveled up from level one to level two. And just watching this and talking about it just gives me goosebumps. It was such a great scene. I love it so much. Yeah, I agree. Like just watching this scene after you've spent so many episodes like watching him level up and you want to know what he can do, you see him be confronted by a Minotaur that's stronger than the first one that annihilated him. And just that fact makes you think like, wow, if he can do this, like he's come such a long way. And of course he manages to pull through and he's stronger than this man. This Minotaur is stronger than the previous and he's stronger now and it's just crazy watching the adventure go like take this turn such a great scene i it's mm-hmm. def, it's a fan favorite and it's definitely my favorite agreed yeah so after this fight bell needs his armor repaired and basically well he basically needs most of his equipment repaired so he goes back to the store to look for more armor made by um wealth Crezo. Cruzo, however you pronounce that, who ends up meeting, and he he basically ends up meeting the blacksmith himself. And in order to make new armor, he insists that he doesn't need to be paid, but rather he would wants to join his party. So he agrees, 
I don't think Bell would ever be opposed to letting anyone join his party, honestly. He's just like, the more the merrier, come on. I mean, he so, did make his favorite armor, so he's like, hey, free yeah, equipment true. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he agrees, and when Lily learns of this, we also learn that... We also learn that um, Krizo is the cursed blacksmith whose family used to be able to make magic weapons, but have long since been able to. So they used to make these very powerful weapons, but then stopped. Except wealth is different, and he can still make magic items. Um, Bell tells him he doesn't really care about the curse, and he... Wealth creates a knife for him. Because I believe Wealth doesn't like to create these magic items. Yeah, he said the magic item, the reason why he doesn't like it is because when you use magic items, once they use their like ability or duration, they just break, leaving the adventurer defenseless. So that's why he doesn't mm-hmm. like to make them, even though he can. Yeah. And Bell's just like, yeah, I don't really care. I just want another knife. So he's like, all right. So he got the horn from the Minotaur, and not only has a new weapon been forged from this horn, but also he creates like this new friendship, this new bond with wealth, and it's a really good party that he has going on because Lily has this unbroken, unbreakable bond between her and Belle, and now he's gotten the respect of wealth, and he he's making such a solid party and you can definitely see where he's the direction that he's going to go throughout the rest of this show just from how much the bond with his partners go because he has so much trust with them that they basically can take on anything or at least you feel like they can i feel like the personalities match or are very complimentary to lily's kind of like the overprotective mom even though she's not very strong she's kind of like she know she's been that criminal side, so she knows that side. So if someone's trying to scam mm-hmm. them, she's like, "No, don't do this." Obviously, Bell's the more forgiving, kind-hearted soul that wants to be the hero and save everyone. And then Wealth is like the kind of like the bro, the kind of I guess the rock to hold Bell down or to encourage him to like to someone for Bell to have his back, basically. Yeah, he's kind of like the rock of the group. Bell, like you said, Bell's just so kind-hearted that he's kind of the face of the group. He's able to create these bonds. And yeah, I like that Lily's just like, yo, like, the, she's street smart, so she's she knows what's up. Yeah. And after they form this party, they decide to go, now with a whole party member in with Bell leveling up, he's able to access the middle levels, something he's never been able to do yet. And with him being stronger from going from level one to level two he's making this journey but of course something goes wrong and another party ahead of them they end up getting injured and running away and they did what's called a monster pass which all the monsters chasing them end up getting aggroed to their party and through that bell party members also get injured and now they're trapped they can't really go back so their best choice is to go actually further because there's little holes in the dungeon that you can go down to go down like multiple levels and they're trying to reach this safe zone before the floor boss spawns because as i mentioned earlier the lokia family is on an expedition so they would have cleared it and then after the floor boss is the safe zone 
So going through all this, Lily ends up passing out. Wolf ends up passing out trying to protect the group. So Bell is literally carrying these two people running down as fast as he can as this floor boss is spawning up and manages to safely get to the save zone. And when he's there, he's someone walks up to him. He's kind of blurry and doesn't know, doesn't realize it's Ayn, but he goes, save them, please, and then passes out. So after he wakes up from when he meets Ayn and it was like, please save them, he wakes up and during all this time while he made it to the safe zone, Hesio found out that about the whole monster pass thing and sends a search party to go out to look for Belle. So she's coming down in the dungeon and obviously Belle knows nothing and as he made it to the safe zone, he goes to talk to the Lokia family who was in the middle of their expedition and luckily they're on their way back up anyways and he asks that they can come with them and he's like, yeah, you can come with us. For now, we'll treat you as a guest. So everything seems to go kind of good. But then some thugs that don't believe Bell made it to level 2. Because it's like unheard of of how he got to level 2 in like the four months he did it. And so he challenges in the duel to pretty much expose him that he's not as strong as he does. Meanwhile, while this duel is happening, Hestia came down to the floor to rescue him and learns of this duel. And as she's going up, she actually releases her divine power that they were limiting and causes everyone to kneel in front of her. And because you can't fight a goddess. Like, it doesn't matter how strong you are. The goddesses have gave you their your power. So she's like, don't mess with my familia. And luckily the duel ends with Nothing really happening. Actually, Bell ends up winning against the thugs, but luckily, nothing happens. Or so we think. Yeah, like you said, well, one, goddesses, I don't believe, or gods and goddesses aren't supposed to even be in the dungeons. No, and, they're not. And then let alone use their power in the dungeon. So, this is bad. She's a piss-off bitch. <laughs> so, when... When this happens, we th we think everything's going to be good, but then all of a sudden a new floor boss appears. And it takes everyone, even the Loki family and or the Familia. It takes Bell and his partners and everybody to take this new boss down because it's so powerful. And even after destroying its head over and over again, like he just keeps regenerating. And it's it basically seems hopeless because it, how can you kill something that just keeps regenerating but bell uses this skill called argonaut which he can use once per day and i believe i'm not 100 percent sure about the limit off i believe it's a skill that he also possesses that he is able to use this extremely powerful attack with no limit that is able to defeat this boss Finally, after this extensive battle, everyone's starting to lose like their magic power and everything and just become exhausted. And after he takes down this boss, he starts to get the respect and admiration from his fellow adventurers because he basically just ended this exhausting fight that basically was a losing battle. And one thing, it is a great fight, 
don't get me wrong. I still like the Minotaur one better. One thing it does is nice to see with this fight is the coordination with all the adventurers, even if they aren't part of the same familia. And then we actually see some other familias like really strong, powerful attacks and stuff, and it's just constantly fight after fight and nothing works. But I don't know, it wasn't as hyped up as like the Minotaur fight for me, or it wasn't very emotional because it was just more like, oh, we're gonna. It's this strong boss, and it's a good fight, don't get me wrong, but it, it's like everyone's trying to fight it, and obviously this is more, I feel like, more of a way for people to acknowledge Bell and not think he just got to level 2 by pure chance, but he actually earned his way. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, this is basically the only way they would ever really acknowledge him. Because you can fight people all day long, but this just prove that he is powerful because everyone was fighting nobody could take down he managed to do it it just solidifies his strength and his work that he's put in and another thing that i liked about this battle was the fact that like you said it showed the coordination of everybody this was a really good way to basically give a lot of insight to what other people's abilities can be what other people can do and I really like that because you got to see a bunch of different magic and a bunch of different skills and how some families, familias work together. And it, it was just a really good battle overall. But like you said, the emotion was not as high as during the Minotaur fight. That was just a very emotional one. It was a big milestone for Bell, And it was a, a really um, good way to show his skill with that one-on-one -on -one Minotaur. But yeah, this one was also good, but not as good as the Minotaur one. And with that, that about wraps up season one. And I highly re recommend this anime to watch it. And like always, for my question of the day is, which familia would you like to be in? Now, granted, there's really no difference in blessing power, but just out of curiosity, like who would you want to be in? And what type of, character would you be like would you be a sword master blacksmith would you be a supporter etc like what would your role be what familia would you want to be and what role or style would you want to be in this rpg like world yeah that's a really good question for uh, our viewers and we love to hear back from you guys so let us know what you would like um and let us know why you want to be a uh, part of that familia is it just because you like the the god that's part of it do you like some of the teamwork or the people that are in it. Just let us know. We like to hear back. And to end this off, I think uh, I'll hit us with some facts. So the title translated from Japanese, uh, we like in English, it's is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? But its literal translation is actually, is it wrong to seek encounters in a dungeon? Which comes from Dei, which isn't necessarily means to pick up girls but more to meet someone new so that was interesting to learn uh, i guess it was just better marketing maybe to switch it over to pick up girls in a dungeon or just translation error or something like that yeah just something along those lines um but it was really neat to learn that in greek mythology hestia is the goddess of the hearth family the home and the state which looking at that 
history of Hestia in Greek mythology kind of makes sense for her relationship with Belle. Because if she is, like, the family, the home, she has this strong connection with Belle and always wants to be with him. So it's kind of neat to see the god in reflect to what they were in respect to Greek mythology. And finally, so far in the entire... I believe this is the entire anime, so season one and season two, Ice only has 149 words of dialogue. Which is kind of interesting. Like, she seems to be this pivotal role in what keeps Belle going throughout the show, but she actually doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue in the show. She's but, that <laughs> what is it called? A kudir, the cool silent type. <laughs> yeah, she she is really cool. I really liked her as a character, even though she doesn't say a whole lot. But with that being said, that's all the facts I have for us. So. Like always, if you have any questions or recommendations, we would love to hear them. You can email us at weebspawn at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at weebspawn. That's it for now. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weebspawn.